T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. I'm afraid of Americans. I'm afraid of the world. I'm afraid I can't help it. You know the name of that song? It's called I'm Afraid of Americans by David Bowie. When it came out, of course, David Bowie meant something different by it. But we're going to be using it a little bit different in this segment this morning. Good weekend to you. I'm going to tell you why we should be afraid of Americans above all. That's not something you usually say in conservative circles. But I think you'll walk away from this segment right here. I'm not even teasing anything else. This segment right here, I'm going to prove it to you. By the way, in other segments, in this very show, we've got some great stuff. Coming up actually right after this, we've got Jeremy Nunez. He is a comedian. If you don't know the name, you might know the face. He's done lots of stand-up specials, dry bar comedy, he is somebody that I've known for some time, and he actually got, so he's been touring for probably 20 years. Uh, funny guy, does songs, does pretty clean comedy generally. He randomly, about five or six years ago, ran for mayor of his hometown. So he's from central Illinois. He won. He won and became the mayor of his town and ran on a platform that I'm going to make this a joke, and he said he won. So he wrote a book about that. We're going to have him on in the segment right after this to talk about what a ridiculous situation that was. And was he able to get anything done? What politically does it look like when you run as a comedian and win? So that'll be fun. Also, in the next hour, we've got, well, we've got actually the full cast coming in both in this hour and next to do some good scripted comedy we have a movie trailer that we're going to play for you that is, of course, not a real movie trailer, but I think you'll really enjoy. It's based on pronouns, so stick around for that or get the podcast once we put that up. And also next hour, Harleen Coor is an analyst, a researcher, data analyst. Interesting stuff that Harleen has because it's all about which media your Senate candidates are looking at the most and how that reflects on them. I find it fascinating. Looking forward to that interview in the next hour. But right now, are you afraid of Americans? Should you be? Let me explain why. It's because the call is coming from inside the house. Yes, we should be concerned about China, certainly above all. Russia, Iran, Middle Eastern countries that are threats to freedom and security. North Korea. Ukraine, everything that's going on in the world. There's a lot going on. Surprisingly, there's not that much going on in Latin America, <laughs> of all places. 
but there's a lot going on in the world. Certainly, China should we should keep a very very close eye on them and Russia because of the world events happening currently. But I don't think personally this is where I would like your opinion. And I'm going to paint a picture. Maybe you share your opinion at the end of this at Radio Wiggins on Twitter. We're going to talk about Twitter too. Is this really the most dangerous time in history from a geopolitical standpoint worldwide? Is this the most dangerous time we've been in? Absolutely not. The threat right now is not from without. There's nobody in the world that's going to come into America and attack us like Russia just did with Ukraine. Maybe cyber hacking. Maybe they're attacking food processing plants. We'll talk about that too. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what that is. But the threat is not from outside influences. The threat right now to America and to freedom and to the lifestyle that you know is inside. The call is coming from inside the house. The threat is from within. Case in point number one. No one needs anyone. They don't even just pretend. Attorney General Merrick Garland is stonewalling special counsel investigation of Hunter Biden. Attorney General Merrick Garland continued to refuse to address questions over his refusal to appoint a special counselor in the Hunter Biden investigation. As you know, there is a special counsel in the uh, Russiagate investigation. That is John Durham. We'll get to that, too. But right now, there should be a special counsel investigating the president of the United States' involvement with all these foreign governments and payments made to him while he was in office. This kind of crap goes on with all kinds of politicians from every side of the aisle. Let's not be naive. Politicians get famous and then they get rich because people pay them, whether they be lobbyists from inside the country or lobbyists outside the country, to do their bidding. And they do it usually through shady means. They just usually don't take a cut of it or at least while they're in office. It looks as if Joe Biden did that because of the famous laptop. There should be an investigation into this, but the current administration has their thumb, of course, on the attorney general, and he is not independent of them. Therefore, he will not do an independent investigation into this corruption. That should happen. That is rot from within. If you had a good attorney general who was not playing politics, he would do an investigation into that. That's example number one. Number two, example that the rot is from within. The call is coming from inside the house. The threat is from within our own borders more than it is outside of our borders. Former DNI Director of National Intelligence Ratcliffe predicts still classified documents will blow the Durham inquiry wide open. The Durham inquiry has been taking a long time. I don't know how you feel about that. I am perfectly okay with that as long as the truth does come out. Now, this was somebody, John Durham, special counsel appointed by former Attorney General Burr, Bill Burr, not the current one, A.G. Garland. So these are linked stories in that way that there should be another special counsel appointed to investigate the laptop, but there's not. But the former A.G., He appointed John Durham to look into Russiagate. Was Hillary Clinton, was the campaign in charge of smearing a political candidate using the FBI and our own intelligence agencies to do so? That is happening now. And the headline from former DNI Ratcliffe is that 
a great deal more Russiagate intelligence remains shrouded from public view and will stun the nation. That is John Ratcliffe. The Trump-era spy chief expounded upon his expectation that there will be many more indictments in the special counsel John Durham's criminal inquiry into the origins and conduct of the Russia investigation. All of these things, of course, are coming from within. These are not foreign agents. These are our own corrupt officials. Example number three. The threat is not from without. The threat is from within. The call is coming from inside the house. If you paid attention to Twitter this week, I don't know how you couldn't. If you're paying attention to the news cycle, it's one of the top stories. It's probably the top story of the week. You may not care about this. We're going to talk about that later in the show, too. With Roy, old Roy, especially him, because he's not on Twitter, and I want his opinion. I am, of course, on Twitter, at Radio Wiggins, and you can contact me there and tell me your thoughts about all of this stuff. But I want to talk to old Roy because he represents a generation that is above mine, and he is not on basically any social media on purpose because he's a purist in a sense. I really respect that. But is this big news to somebody who's not on Twitter? I have thoughts on that. I'm sure he will too. too. But here's where it concerns us in this segment. The call is coming from inside the house. The rot is from within. It's that immediately upon announcing that Elon Musk had purchased Twitter, and he is, of course, a big free speech advocate. He's not going to let anybody be throttled all this week. My own account, I have seen a tremendous rise in engagement in posts and in followers. Why is that? I have some speculation on, on that. A lot of people are just saying, well, they just took off the filters. They were throttling conservatives. I think that's very possible. I also think it's possible that they're trying to lift up conservatives now and trying to tamp down Democrats to make leftist people leave Twitter and sabotage it on the way out. I think that's very possible, but that's just my personal opinion. With Elon Musk, though, the minute this thing was announced, Jen Psaki comes out, White House press briefing, and says, you know what, we're going to relook at Section 230. That is political gamesmanship. It is wrong to do especially to stop somebody from implementing more free speech. What you're doing is using political power to stifle opposition. That's what Twitter's been doing for a long time. That's what social media in general has been doing for a long time. That's what our society has been doing. That is what leftist media has been doing. This time it's coming from the White House. You're going to buy Twitter. You're going to turn it into a free speech platform where everybody can have the same game. The playing field is level. We're going to throttle you politically then. We're going to implement Section 230. Now, we've been wanting 230 for a long time because we saw that Twitter and others were not objective. They were being the opposite of that. They were being editors. But now, nobody cared until right now, that is political. The rot is from within. I'm afraid of Americans. I'm afraid of the world. And so that's where it needs to be solved. It needs to be solved from within. How do you do that? Well, we point it out. We point out things like the food industry. We talked about this last week. All of these different food processing plants that have caught on fire. Why is that? I don't know. You shine a light on these things. I'm looking at a list right now. Just in 2022... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 
food processing plants in the last three plus months have caught on fire. That's weird. And it's all over the United States. That's really, really weird. You look at how many happened before that. Not anywhere near that in 2021, although there's a few. Certainly not many in 2020 or 2019. This is a recent phenomenon. That's weird. So how do we solve these things? How do we solve the rot that's from within? We got to have bedrock principles. We got to stand on the things that we know are true. Never give them up regardless of which political party is doing them or saying them. Know that free speech is a good thing regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Know that capitalism brings about more wealth regardless of whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, a socialist, whatever you are. Acknowledge that the richest countries in the world are capitalists. And then once you get rich and you turn socialist, you begin to throttle your own economy. These are broad principles that apply to any time, anywhere. And we have to stand on those things regardless of the personality involved. I'm Ryan Wiggins. This is Wiggins America. More coming up next. Pray for your country. I'm afraid of Americans. I'm afraid of the world. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Well, I've been wanting to connect with him and talk to him for a long time. His name is Jeremy Nunez. He is a comedian. Jeremy, instead of me trying to explain it, how would people know you if they've heard of you before? <laughs> uh, hey, man. Well, it's good to chat with you again. Yeah. They would they would know me um, usually for one of two reasons. The, uh, the unusually tall comedian or the comedian that was mayor of his town. One but, or the other. You've, but you've played all over the place for years, right? So it's very possible that somebody's seen you at a, a hall or a church or something somewhere, right? Yeah. Oh, I, this is my 20th year in comedy and, uh, you know, been all over performing everywhere. And uh, they might know me from TV and stuff. Too. I was on Cops a couple times. <laughs> that is not true. Uh, <laughs> I mean, unless you tell me, tell me you were a cop in Cops, though. That would be great. <laughs> Um, okay. Let's talk about your book though, because that is, uh, why you're here. The book I've read, I've read the bulk of it at this point. I'm, I'm making my way through about three books at a time and that's one of them. And I really enjoy it. It's, it's written, you know, basically like it's a conversation, which is so easy to read, but at least tell the, the big picture story of what happened that is the reason for the book. So I uh, accidentally got elected mayor of my town. <laughs> which is what town? <laughs> so it's Dawson, uh, which is um, about 15 minutes uh, east of Springfield, Illinois, about 15-minute drive or 30 by combine. Okay. And then uh, so I accidentally got elected mayor, 
And then uh, essentially the story, the book is me retelling basically all the funny things that happen when you try to run a town of, of 500 people. Um, you, you have uh, people that want to be enemies along the way. And, uh, you know, people like my dad trying to call the shots behind the scenes. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. So I know you have a book too. I don't know if you went through this part, but for the, the publisher has someone review uh, the structure of your book to make sure you didn't leave out, you know, something or you ch- didn't change somebody's name halfway through something like that. And uh, the, I think it's the content editor. Yeah, and, your editor, yeah. Yes. And so uh, the lady asked me, she said, well, you're, you're talking about the night you're sworn in and you discuss your, uh, your mom is there, your sister's there, your your uh, your wife is there, but you don't mention your dad. We need to clarify why your dad wasn't there. Is it? Oh, my dad wasn't there because he voted for the incumbent. <laughs> These are solid jokes, Jeremy. Um, although I hope they're not true. Uh, so, let's. How old were you when you got elected mayor of Dawson? And what do you mean by it was an accident? <laughs> so, oh boy, what would have been somewhere around 32, 33, something like that. Okay. Uh, and so it was an accident. So I tell this story. Some people have seen my dry bar comedy special probably uh, in your audience there. So I tell this story in dry bar, but uh, essentially I thought it'd be funny if I ran for office as a joke. So I got my name on the ballot as comedian, Jeremy Nunes. And my campaign slogan was put a real joker in office. <laughs> and do you know how many votes you got? 80% of the town. Wow. Well, what's the population <laughs> of the town? Is it 1,000 people or what? So there's uh, 500 people. <laughs> um, and so uh, we had about 100 people turn out to vote. And uh, 80, 80 of them said uh, I was the guy. Man, that's incredible because yeah. if you have a big family, you really could swing an election there. Sure. And my family made up about 50 uh, of the voters. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you had to see it coming a little bit then. Um, let's talk about politics then. You know, you, you suddenly are mayor of a town. The things that we talk about on a national level, and especially 10 years ago, it's probably a little different. But uh, do you have to deal with that kind of stuff in a town of 500 people? Or is it more like, you know, Johnny fell in the well type stuff? Well, <laughs> um, no, it's, it's much smaller, uh, much smaller problems. I would say, you know, um, for example, I was, I was accused of being corrupt myself. If, uh, if, you know, uh, you know, a lot, usually junior high age kids, uh, they're told to be home when the street lights turn on. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, arranged to have the street lights stay on a little later than usual. Maybe got a little money under the table. I don't know. But so <laughs> these are these are the hot button issues, right? So, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, as I, I tr- you know, I try to make changes. You know, I um, I try to get the motto of the town: to, uh, Dawson is Dawson. And uh, only problem was that a lot of people couldn't figure out how to spell awesome. So. <laughs> did you did you really try to do any of these things? I mean, that seems like an opportunity to me, if you're a comedian, to really kind of throw people for a loop and do some things on official government business that would just make people go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, were they constantly asking, is Jeremy being real here? Did you keep them on their toes? <laughs> well, you know what's interesting? I actually was uh, 
was actually very serious about it. Uh, once I got in, I was like, well, you know, we're going to take it serious now. And um, uh, then it wasn't until I was no longer mayor that I decided I would start making jokes about it. So, oh, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, so the jokes, you know, they made my dry bar special and the Amazon special. And then, of course, the book. Um, so the next logical question a lot of people ask is, uh, are the people of the town – do I fear that the people of the town are mad at me and going to come after me or something? And for that, I say not really, because if they do come after me, I'd probably hear their car backfire first. <laughs> so the name of the book is You Can't Write City Hall, What Happened When a Stand-Up Comedian Got Elected Mayor. It really is a fun read, and I can I can say that a lot of people I interviewed, Jeremy, I've not picked up the book yet, sometimes it's because it's not out. I do have your book, and I can recommend it. It's very, very fun. How long did it take you to write it, by the way? Because it took me 12 years to write mine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I would say it took probably about four months, I would guess. Uh, basically, when uh, when the COVID shutdown happened and I lost a lot of shows, I had a lot of time on my hands, so uh, I decided to write it. I mean, what else am I going to do? Spend time with my family? Yeah, me too. Same thing. Finished it during COVID. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm right with you. We're probably, you know, worst time possible to finish a book when everybody else is finishing books too because of COVID. But um, yep. you can pick your book up at Amazon. And, well, where would you like people to pick it up? Well, uh, yeah, it's available online at uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, et cetera. Um, and if you want to learn more about the book or uh, order directly from me and I can sign it and send it to you, youcantwritecityhall.com. Anything else you want to publicize while you're here? Because I know you got a lot going on. Well, I am uh, I'm selling some bail bonds mm-hmm. at the moment. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> if people are looking for insurance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a I got a great timeshare. Uh if anybody <laughs> Good. Great. Uh, hopefully uh, all of these did not make the book because I want it to be completely fresh books if I'm or jokes if I'm recommending it. So hopefully these Yeah, absolutely. Do. Okay, good. Uh Jeremy Nunes, thank you so much for being here on Wiggins America. Appreciate your time. All right, thank you. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. is the beginning of the rest of your life. I don't know why I said that. You could say that at literally any moment, and it would be true. Just felt a little bit overdramatic for this moment. But thanks for being here. Uh, my name is Ryan. So we are uh, talking a little bit this morning about this Connecticut bill that has been passed. Well, it's going to pass as law. It's already been passed through part of their Congress in Connecticut. It's creating a legal sanctuary state for abortion and it gets complicated because it's really interesting in light of a different supreme court makeup now not with katanji brown jackson i'm talking specifically about amy coney barrett replacing rbg how states have reacted they realize that the writings on the wall that roe versus wade may get overturned or it may be narrowed Nothing could happen at all. We don't know. It just looks more likely than ever that that could happen. So states are already having that battle because, as you know, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, it gets kicked back to the states. Abortion still could be legal in many states, but states are already passing 
you know, basically putting on the books, yes, it will be legal if that's overturned, or no, it won't be legal, red states, blue states mainly. So what's interesting in the meantime, though, is there are laws currently on the books that aren't looking forward to Roe versus Wade, whether one way or another. They're just saying right now, for instance, in light of Texas's law, that's a heartbeat bill. So after the baby has a heartbeat, a detectable heartbeat, you can't abort it. You can't kill it anymore in Texas and in Idaho. Same law. Now, Connecticut, and here's the news, is trying to pass basically a sanctuary abortion state law, and they will pass it. I'm not saying they're trying. They're, they're in the process, but it's going to happen. They're led by Democrats. Uh, mostly Democrats have voted for this. Mostly Republicans have voted against it, although there has been a little bit of crossover, surprisingly. But they're going to pass a law in Connecticut that says if you have any footprint in Connecticut, all of these other states' laws won't apply to you or if they do, you can countersue because Texas is an interesting. Uh, it's not Texas that enforces the tech, the heartbeat law. It's actually Texas saying private individuals can hold providers accountable, not the woman having the abortion and not the state enforcing it. But they left it up to private lawsuits, basically, for enforcement. Now, Connecticut is doing the equal opposite of that and saying if you exist in Connecticut, if you have a footprint here, well, first of all, you can go there and have abortions and say, and they say, well, you're, you're legally unliable for anything we come to you because we're going to protect you. But also, if you have a footprint there, your clinic does, for instance, and you also have clinics in Idaho, Texas, wherever else this law would be, you will be protected from those laws by us. Now, that's going to be heavily litigated, but they're gearing up for the battle equal opposite to what Texas and conservative states are doing. And this is all happening before Roe versus Wade has even been decided at the Supreme Court, should it get taken up again, like in this Mississippi law. Wiggins, America. News with an audience. Anytime you get into social issues, a lot of times this happens. And abortion definitely is a social, moral, conscience issue. One side saying, and not Republican, Democrat. I mean, side of life saying, that's a life. Once it has a heartbeat, we should protect it because it's a living entity. That's our job. The other side saying it never is a life until, and here's the, here's the big question, until when? You can always ask that. That's This is why this debate is so clear cut. If you're on the side of life, ask the question, when does life begin? You have no other obligation than to ask that question. And it's sad that people who support abortion, especially full-term abortion, which, by the way, polling-wise, is very few people. It's, it's around 15% of Americans support abortion in any trimester, right up to birth. It's, it's really not a lot of people. So when Democrat states are pushing for these, you know, abortion on demand, don't notify the parents, as is happening in Illinois and a lot of other states, or abortion right up until the moment of birth, they're doing something that is not only deeply morally questionable, but very, very unpopular when you ask people directly, do you support this? The question is, why do they support it? Do they stand for anything? People who support abortion right up to birth, what, why are they supporting that? Because what it looks like is it's a knee-jerk reaction to Republicans or people who support life, generally speaking, and not based on any sort of actual moral conviction, which is so dangerous 
In fact, that's why we're at the place we are with so many issues, even other than this, because it's really just reactionary. There's no moral foundation to any of it, because when you have a moral foundation, when you have an objective, concrete bedrock base to your house, the house doesn't get shaken as much. You know where you stand on most things. Not everything, but most things, especially things as important as this. We'll be right back. More Wiggins America. Wiggins America, Old Roy is in studio. Old Roy, let's talk about the Ministry of Truth, the disinformation cabinet, whatever they're putting together for the Biden administration. It's frightening. Oh, okay. I was going to ask your your opinion on it, and I assumed you were in favor of it. (laughs) (laughs) No, do you know anything about this Nina Jankowski person? I know less about her than I do the overall mission of this agency, but you apparently do. Well, I just I was reading a little bit about her. She she's been around, um, sticking her nose into stuff on uh, about the you know she was a big proponent of the Russia stuff for Trump, which is false. Yeah, which is, which is dis- disinformation. Right. So she'd have to indict herself. She was uh, a lot of stuff on Twitter from her about um, the Hunter laptop being Russian propaganda. Mm-hmm disinformation so she's been on the wrong side of every (laughs) disinformation campaign that she's a great choice for the position then and here's another thing that i never thought would be a thing in united states of america but she keeps referring to uh free speech absolutists as being a threat to democracy unbelievable what yeah isn't that what the first of isn't that what the Constitution is? Yeah. Being free speech absolutist? Right. What, what can you be for free speech if not absolute? Right. You can't be halfway into free speech. Well, you know, like some of it. Yeah, half speech. <laughs> yeah. Like, I like this stuff. Generally speaking, I'm all for free speech that supports what I believe. So yeah. that's free speech, right? Right. The whole point of free speech is that you support speech you don't agree with. That's being an absolutist on free speech. It's the only way you can be. Right. Yeah. And the and the fact that this is, and she's not the only one talking that way. I mean, there are other people now who are getting on board with this idea that, that well, I mean, I've, I've had this argument with people for a while now about hate speech. I said, this is the slippery slope starting. Absolutely. If you start identifying or, or calling certain things hate speech, and therefore you can't say it, well, then the next thing is you can't think it. And then the next thing is anything we don't like becomes unacceptable speech. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too, is that you just broaden. As long as we can get a little nugget, oh, you agree with us that these things are hate speech. Okay, this little bitty quarter-sized nugget, then we can just expand that to a half-dollar size. Then we can expand that to a softball size. Mm -hmm. And you just expand what hate speech is bigger and bigger and bigger until you don't really have any free speech. So you get a little bit in there. And you can get you can classify anything you want as hate speech now, right? And it's banned. You can't say it. I mean, that's how you do it. That's what we've watched for twenty years now, at least. Well, that and and the conditioning of, I mean, we we blame a lot of stuff on the everybody gets a trophy generation, but <clears throat> the reality is that that mindset where feelings are more important than than everything else. Mm-hmm. It sets the stage 
for like even my kids generation to a certain extent they're they're okay to go along with it because their whole lives have been nobody's allowed to hurt your feelings mm-hmm. and so I'm all for free speech, but unless you say something mean. Right. Or if you say something hurtful, then I'm okay with that because their whole life has been don't it's yeah. been bubble wrap. box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's dangerous. You're I mean you're you're right. There's a generation beneath even me and Trisha that because uh, I I don't know that if you're in your thirties, you're necessarily a part of that. It was starting. But because even when I was a kid in the eighties and early nineties, I remember them being all about self-esteem. That was a buzzword. It yeah. was self-esteem and how's your self-esteem? And I, I the only, really, the reason I remember it is because <clears throat> I was probably nine, 10 years old, right around in there. And I was at a soccer practice and was just probably just like not interested that day, just having a bad day, whatever. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, what are you doing? You, you weren't putting in effort, you know? And I was like, well, my self-esteem is low today, Dad. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. That did not go over well. <laughs> I mean, it was so ridiculous, though, that I think he almost laughed. And that's not something my dad would usually laugh at. But I think it was so ridiculous. And I remember thinking, ah, I think I might have stepped in there right there. Yeah. <laughs> so I still remember it now. But it, it was very indicative of the time. So I've also remembered it for that reason, that it was... It was always telling you, like, well, we want to raise your self-esteem, you know? And it's that kind of stuff that, on the surface, I'm not opposed to raising someone's self-esteem. But when it becomes about just your feelings and you can't you can't hurt somebody because then you're hateful, yeah. which is exactly where that was going. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even as a kid, I knew something's off about this. I was going to use it for sure, mm-hmm. <laughs> but because every kid's going to find, oh, where, where do I have a loophole here that I can use? Every kid's going to do that. Every person's going to do that. But we've, we've allowed, you're right, that we've allowed feelings to really override everything to where, but only certain feelings. You know, it's not everybody. It's not if somebody comes along and says, man, Wiggins, your hairline looks worse than it did three years ago. <laughs> oh, well, suck it up, buddy. You yeah. know, like that's that's not hate speech. That's just get used to it. Right. But so there's a lot of things that are still fine, but we are drawing that line further and further out to say, you know, maybe, maybe in four years, maybe you can't make fun of somebody for going bald or something, you know? Yeah, I, I think what <clears throat> what's gotten lost is there there were things that you were – when I was growing up, that you were taught and that were expected of you that by their nature, by sticking with something and accomplishing it, the the side effect of that, the result of that is self-esteem. Ooh, so the goal ooh. wasn't to create self-esteem. The goal was to learn a good work ethic, to mm-hmm. to accomplish something, to experience success. And the, the self-esteem is a byproduct of that. Right, which that's a that's very which well put. Which the way it, it transitioned is, well, let's skip that hard work part and let's just give everybody self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's really the cause of a lot of this downfall is that nobody learned the work ethic. Nobody learned the that. Nobody learned perseverance. They, yeah, they didn't learn yeah. how to how to develop their own self-esteem. It was yeah. just going to be given to you. Right. Without anything expected from you. Isn't it funny how much, especially in popular music, you hear now messages about you're the best, you can overcome anything. 
it's it's the right message in a sense, but it is hollow. It's completely mm-hmm. hollow because of the culture that we live in. What they're saying is, you don't de- you don't really deserve to be there, but you you will be there. You mm-hmm. know, like you you haven't done anything, but by golly, just because you're a person, you're going to achieve your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's it's so weak. And there's a there's a sense in which I think every and I don't know about if it's political persuasion or if it's a spiritual thing or if it's just a human thing. I don't I'm just speaking for me that whenever I hear those messages and I, and for my whole life, not just recently, but anytime I hear those things, I go there's like an alarm bell that goes off that I'm like, I don't really know how to how to say that that's cheap or weird mm-hmm. or I don't like it. But I do. I don't. I don't like it. Right. Just, just a shortcut. Trying to take the yeah. shortcut and and without the effort. And it's hard to sit there and listen to some random pop song and be like, let's examine this. It's right. just this feeling that you get. You just go, I don't, know, yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. What about Twitter? Uh, we haven't talked about that yet. We're almost out of time. But you're not on Twitter. No. Is this big news to you or is it hyped up because we're in the news and we're talking about it? Elon I think Musk. it has. I think it has the potential to be big news if... Because I I blame a lot of what's wrong with society on Twitter, <laughs> and this and just that. and just the the I don't know I'm torn because I don't I don't think everybody needs a platform because there's so many dumb things that people mm-hmm. say. At the same time, I don't think anybody should be censoring it. So if Elon Musk comes in and he gets rid of that aspect of it, because it did get too powerful. In the last election, social media was over, yeah. overstepped. Yeah, and it and it has it, an outsized influence, right? And so, if this can get it back to, I recently just got back on Facebook. I've been off okay. it for a long time, and already I'm thinking about getting off again because <laughs> why can't it just be the thing where you connect with somebody you used to? That's know? That's what it's supposed to be. Or you share yeah. a couple of photos. Why do you have to talk about? I'm not. Yeah. Nobody's telling you you can't. No, that's interesting to hear from you because you're not a social media guy. It's what no. I wanted to ask you. Unfortunately, we, we are right at the top of the hour. Let's come back and do the script at this time next hour because we're out of time. So we'll be right back. Wiggins America. Stick around. Another hour coming. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.